What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode 371. Uh, my name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, I'm joined by... Right. And John. And we are the good time fellas. I, you know, we well, like yeah, there you go. Something there, you know. I was, I was going to say, I mean, we made it. We had a we had l- yeah. little technical difficulty in our first attempt oh to goodness. record. Yeah. This is a special... You guys really should appreciate this episode because Ronald went through a lot. Yes. Of, yeah. uh, emotional, a journey he took. We watched the majority of it, John and I, in silence, yeah. watched him go through it. In, in, addition, in addition to, uh, uh, like, calling us and starting group chats with us, uh, uh, Ronald's daughter has, like, uh, run off with his headphones and hoarded them so that he doesn't, he doesn't have them when he needs them. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I've started she, to enjoy she, our, uh, our calls that she makes to us. Yeah. I was on the phone with her for, like, five minutes the other day. Chat. She's good for a group chat. Uh, I just got this picture sent to me. Can I show this picture? Is it? Let me see. She likes walks. So. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Oh, my gosh. Oh, geez. Oh, oh, oh. but there she is. Oh, there she is. oh my Lord. Look There's that. that. There it goes. Zoomed it. There yeah. it goes. I, I can see that she likes it. You're not okay. lying. She's really happy in that picture. Oh, man. She gets so she has these little teeth that she grits on. She's <laughs> oh man four teeth four teeth that she's very proud of that's great it's a very cute number uh, of teeth <clears throat> it is i think <laughs> science shows that that's the cutest number of teeth to have especially if you're smiling <laughs> four. <laughs> four it's crazy because uh, we don't respect four teeth on an adult if a no it's a different thing different rules hey buddy get <laughs> across received, the street I don't want to get it's, it's received a little differently yeah that's not, I'm not saying it's not workable. I'm just saying the rules are different. There's a whole different yeah, mm-hmm. algorithm you have to apply to that. I'm going to tell it's you more of an opportunity. Right. <laughs> I walked a homeless man to the ATM and gave him $20 today. That's great. It's all kind of related to four teeth. Like, I'm not proud of that so much as, like, I think I knew him. Super what? random. I think he was like a... Like I knew him as a teenager. Like, like I was just oh, like, wow. he didn't know that I knew him, and I was just like, "Take you to get twenty dollars." I didn't tell him why. I didn't say like, "Hey, do you remember?" That would have been yeah. too weird for him. So I was just like, hey, "That's good." I was bringing nice that up because I think he only had four teeth. He only had four teeth, so uh, reminded me of my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> full circle, guys. That's what we do here. We come full circle. Uh, you know, in in. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There it is. What did I say? Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I think said Pulp Fiction. Yeah, you got it right. Oh, okay. I was like, Pulp Fiction. Like, like Pulled Pork and Pulled Fiction. <laughs> pulled Pork Fiction. Pulled Fiction. Um, yeah, episode 371. We're going to go through some uh, reviews a little later in the show for Shazam! Fury of the Gods and also a new Hulu original movie called Rye Lane. But to start the show, as always, we're going with the required viewing. Um, this week's pick was a movie that I selected last week. Uh, came out this year, actually. Another recent movie, much like Ronald's pick. Um, this one was called uh, Palm Trees and Power Lines. And this was a film most people would probably only recognize maybe Jonathan Tucker in it. But um, a relatively Gretchen new... What's that? Gretchen Mall. Oh, Gretchen Mall. Right. She's yeah. got a couple scenes. True. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a movie that I had heard about last year at Sundance or through Sundance. I think the the, the co-writer, uh, director of the movie uh, won a some sort of award, maybe a first time filmmaker or a feature debut type of an award. And 
Um, yeah, I had just seen Jonathan Tucker posting a bunch about it over the over the months past, but it finally came out on a video on demand platform uh, a few weeks back. So that was my pick this week. Um, and I don't think either of you had heard of the movie prior, right? Or had, had it hit mm-hmm. either of your radars? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really, really tiny movie. And again, I think through Jonathan Tucker, maybe one critic that I follow had been kind of keeping it uh, alive, I guess, until it got a release. But um, what did you guys what did you guys think of? Or I guess, John, you can start. What did you think of Palm Trees and Power Lines? What a fun little romp. Yeah, I mean, like if you wanted to be happy and just make your week the brightest it could be, throw this yeah. movie on. I'm, I mean, it, yeah. it's it's um, it's kind <laughs> of an insanely well acted and conceived and shot i mean it's like i don't know it was i thought it was really beautifully done and really artfully done and therefore when it goes for what it's going for it really makes you uncomfortable and then takes you to a different place then i I mean i can't think of a movie that's quite made me feel this way before it's it's a bit of a like a i saw that the um the description said that this jonathan tucker plays like an older man who's kind of wooing a young a teen girl um that he meets and that's like the setup and it said in the description and his intentions may not be what they seem and then as the movie went along i was like well it seems to me that his intentions are exactly what they seem to me but then the movie actually does have another narrative place that it goes to that's a little bit more like if you're waiting to see if it gets more heightened it never loses that super grounded very believable tone that makes you feel so uncomfortable because it feels so plausible that this could be how some girls are groomed into a situation that is really bad, you know? Um, It's totally believable that this could happen, but it also does feel like the movie is telling you there is this other layer coming that puts it in the, I mean, that kind of like pays off these feelings you have that this is creepier than just what it seems like, which is already creepy. I mean, there's like nothing right about this. Um, yeah, uh, sure. I, 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 I didn't know what order we were going to talk about these movies in, but I, I, I'll just say that like, if, if Rye Lane is a movie where you spend the whole movie, like really wanting these people to kiss, then, yeah. um, this is a movie where the people are kissing and you really wish they weren't she I mean, would just you, <laughs> run and, away. And it has to do the power of that has to do with how good Jonathan Tucker is at like playing just the right amount of charm kind of mixed with the menace that you yeah, can see how definitely. someone who's kind of trying to make decisions for herself and doesn't want to be, doesn't want her story or her fate to be dictated by by anyone in her life, you can kind of see how she's ripe for the picking for this manipulator. Um, and I mean, there there are scenes together where they almost seem like they're striking up a rapport. It's like, yeah. I kept thinking, is there any way this situation isn't as creepy as I think it is? And then very quickly, it escalates to the place where, yes, no, this man is definitely, yeah. you know, he's, yeah. he's, it's a, it's a sexual thing for him. And then it goes deeper than that. So I don't know. I mean, I thought it was super uncomfortable. And right up to the last moment, you're, you, it gives your, your heart another squeeze right at the end of like, fuck. Uh, again, if this is a realistic situation to picture how, how people get stuck in a really bad, uh, toxic relationship with somebody who's just victimizing them, I thought it was a really, I don't, I don't know the actress, uh, the young actress's name, but I thought she was amazingly uh, credible as someone who's like, you know, pretty realistically intelligent for a 17 year old, but, but definitely not worldly enough to see a few of the red flags that she should be seeing. <clears throat> right. So no, yeah, yeah I don't I, know. What, what, what did you think, Ronald? I was thinking about, I actually wound up watching it a couple hours ago, and it had me thinking about, well, one thing I want to say before, I, you know, just the subject is really rough. Yeah. And sometimes I think that there's this depiction of those relationships where it almost seems like the 
the younger person doesn't have any agency in the situation. And I think that this does a really good job of showing you what it is. It's not that people that are her age don't know. It's just more nuanced. This more experience gives you the understanding. It, it It's like we all can, they, they all can, they can have sex, right? But like the, the consequences and the the age gaps and stuff that you really start as you get older start to be like oh that's weird yeah Ugh. right you right. know what i mean whereas when you're younger you don't think about them as taboos uh most people like when they're 17 don't think of themselves as a kid you know i think that's right. what it is and when you get older yeah, you can totally that's see that that's a kid and that's why it's yeah. like he's wrong every step of the way is because it's like Whatever sure. their their rapport could be, whatever friendship they could strike up, this brotherly, sisterly, whatever that could be kind of charming, it's completely decimated by the fact that his intentions are he he knows he's overstepping a boundary from the second he like interacts with her. Hundred um, percent. So it's like, but but to your point, like she definitely feels like she's making a conscious choice, like to to did, seek out did, this kind of different thing, and she thinks he's more mature than the guy. I mean, you know, the scene where she then uh, she's hanging out with a yeah. guy who's did her a woman age. do this movie? Did yes, a woman directed. I believe okay, it was so that, directed by a woman, and I think I, it was co co written by okay. two women. This is why I say that there's there's a again there's an agency in it that I could tell when men write stuff because it's like it's a wolf, but the wolf is a lot more like there's there's steps to the you know what I mean like if 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 it were real life the 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 three little pigs <laughs> the wolf would have taken his time. And there's something about the way that this guy takes his time and kind of meticulously kind of pokes at it. Because if he came with the energy that he had at the end, surely, you know, she would, run. she would not ever, you know, that's that's the age issue. She understands that that's a predatory thing. Right. But the way that he does it is so fucking he kind of plays to her insecurities, plays to her like wanting to feel needed, wanting to feel loved. You know, feeling super special. And then there's something special about an older person kind of being like having an admiration for somebody. But the way that he takes it is just so gross. And, you know, that, that, yeah, that's think, how I could tell a woman wrote it. I didn't even look it yeah. up. I was like, a woman wrote this. I'm pretty it's sure so, Jamie, so, Jamie Dack is the name. Maybe I'm getting yeah, that wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a woman. Um, it's a woman. Yeah, I think, I think that's like one of the biggest takeaways for the movie is that like the way I think Jonathan Tucker's performance and, and the actress is, uh, Lily McInerney, um, okay. who plays the lead. Um, I think the way Leah. that he, you know, John mentioned grooming, and I think that's really kind of like what this whole oh for sure, you know, the 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 real arc of the movie and kind of like you know the, the, how uncomfortable it gets and like genuinely moments like where your skin crawls. It feels like it's that you know, there's a couple scenes in this movie where I was like it, so uncomfortable that it's like it's almost like unwatchable. Yes, but um, for sure. I think that's the that's the that's that nuance in both hers and especially Jonathan Tucker's performance is that like I think he's identifying um, certain not well I don't want to say a, a type of young girl you know but I think just the town that they're from or like this town itself it just seems that um, you know there is like a lack of or what's the word there's, there's almost like a lack of perspective perspective among her peers and like he is bringing the perspective that she seems to be looking for right and yeah. immediately like john mentioned like their first meeting he like kind of 
immediately like plays that hand, you know, which is like more of like a protection that she really doesn't have, like either from her mother, really from her friends, like a loyalty from her friends. Like, you know, she in the movie, you see her friends like not keep secrets and like really show a lack of loyalty, like her best friend bringing another person around who she knows that she doesn't want to be around. And there's all these like little nuanced things where um, there's almost like a counterpoint that you see her with him and he's like playing completely against it. And you can just see him like racking up the points in her mind yes, and her going deeper and deeper into a commitment to him because like, I think she is, you know, that, that character is so lacking. um, And, you know, he just somehow, you know, he's, he's, he's a predator and he knows how to do this. And it's like, even with signs from people around them, you know, around her, like the woman at the diner and like, you know, even just oh, man, that friends. scene was great. That that's with the woman at the diner. That was such yeah, a Yeah. Like scene. mentioning his age and, you know, just like, you know, just, just common questions. I think um, I just, yeah. I mean, it's a really tough movie to watch, I think. Uh, and, and honestly, like even, even where the movie ends, like that final, like five minutes is just like, so sad. <laughs> and uh yeah. you know you think there's a i don't know i don't want to really spoil the movie like I, I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna we're kind of avoiding it and i I'd like us not to but i think that you know um like it shatters any sense you have of like safety for this person because she now has this guy in her life so it's like right and it seems like even though you you think like for the a damage moment is that done she, yeah she thinks you think that for a moment she has the strength that um it takes from a circumstance that she unfortunately goes through. Uh, There's a moment with like her friend again, and just in solid and just isolation, these moments alone, which you see a lot of it in the earlier part of the movie that you can just tell, like she starts to go through it in her mind where it's like, she's not out of this, you know, like she's, she's still on the hook. And that's really, what's really sad because it, it just seems like, you know, uh, you know, she makes a comment that like, you know, why didn't you call me or why didn't you come looking for me? You know, that stuff is fucking devastating because like, that's just that need. That's that lack of, you know, perspective, that lack of attention, that connection that she just doesn't have genuinely. And it's really, really scary and sad that like, you know, that character, a predator would provide that to a young girl like this. And, uh, you know, the movie does not end on a positive note. I'll just say that I think. And, uh, yeah, no, it's it's. I think it's a really, really well written and, and made film. It's hard to watch. I think, and I, you know, this is a movie that had a lot of buzz out of Sundance, and I had read a lot about it in this last week, like some interviews with the production and the f- filmmakers, and like it seemed like a movie that it, like there was that buzz around, but like nobody really wanted to try to market and put this movie out because of what it's about. Right. And I mean, totally understandable. This is not a movie that uh, I see. Uh, you know marketing around or really any kind of commercial uh I mean, it's disturbing it's like it's like we say movies yeah. are disturbing this movie is actually disturbing and it's in a very real world way yeah. and it does yeah it leaves you with this the, the messiness of the real world situation uh, at the end as opposed to the sort of like i i think another thing kind of ronald to what you were saying about uh if men had written this i feel like the movie would have romanticized the sort of quote-unquote innocence of the young girl more yes. and it would have been more of like a some sort of savior narrative or some sort of escape 
100%. narrative, yeah. but it's almost like because women wrote it, they're willing to be honest and say that for this young girl, there's no escape from the culture of, of yeah. well, rape culture. You know what I mean? There's no like, yeah. n- there's no easy yeah. escape yeah. Um, yeah. for her literally. But if you look at it as like making any, I mean, I don't know how much I'm, I'm, I'm sure they, you never know if writers think they're dealing with metaphors at all, but the way this makes you think about the overall picture, you said, Steve, this is kind of like the grooming movie. This yeah. really does make a lot of things it kind of reminds me of women talking in a different way <clears throat> of just, it gets out a lot of issues that are on yeah. our minds these days. Um, and that I'm sure uh, as fathers of daughters, uh, it, they're on your minds. But I mean, it's like for any of us in, in the, who's awake in the American culture today, there's all yeah. these thoughts about just the world that specifically, you know, young people, but specifically young women are are, are being introduced into and how, how um, you know, it's not it's not on them to have to make all those right decisions uh, when, when they're 17. That's why the whole thing about how squeamish you feel about the, uh, the, the Jonathan Tucker character in this is just yeah. watching him have no shame in the way that he does those things, Stephen. You're right. It's almost like a point for point thing of like, he makes her feel a certain way about talking to him and how he understands. And he's this cool guy. And then her friends do the exact opposite, opposite behavior that will make yeah. her feel. So it's like, they're helping him. I mean, what? Yes. I'm not putting it on the friends. It's very realistic oh, team yeah, behavior yeah, yeah. actually, yeah, right. but like, it does make you feel like, Oh, she's, this is the nefariousness of what he's doing is that like, he's managed to make her normal life seem that much more alienating um, nothing yeah. like more than that guy that she did like before. And then she doesn't, and he comes up to her at the party and he's being pretty aggro and it's pretty gross the way he's acting about it. But you can tell that like, maybe normally when the guy comes up and starts kissing on her, she's reciprocal, you know, or that like, yeah. that's what he's expecting. But that like, whatever crush she had or whatever interest she had in that is gone because she thinks she's got this like, and the fact that she instantly starts keeping it secret shows you that she knows she she knows, like you said, Ronald, yeah, yeah. that like she's aware. She's not some kid who doesn't understand what's going on here. Yeah. And even the way when and he says, How old are you? And she says 17, and he kind of cocks his head and goes, like, oh shit, like missed it by one. Yeah. It's like the way he acts. And it's like that lets you know his intentions so clearly in that moment. So so early that he's like, Yeah, what he's interested in is the fact that she's vulnerable, you know, and that's gross. Yeah. Yeah. And evil. <clears throat> That's that's kind of what I meant by the agency. It's like creating this false sense that she can move around in a space with this freedom. And, yeah. and you know, she's with an adult. And, you know, this like it's it's weird, man. The way he started to consume her world and these yeah. threats that that like seemed like jokes, but really weren't at all. Just heavy, heavy stuff. Well, it's um, like if a 17-year-old says to another 17-year-old, I'm going to be with you forever and I'm never going to leave you and you're never going to leave me. It might sound intense, but it could sound like love, Lauren, romantic stuff. If a 34-year-old man says that to a 17-year-old girl, it sounds creepy as hell. Like Nikki was sitting here, I was watching it with my wife, and she was like, God, this stuff that he's saying is just so, like, you, you hear it said so often in a romantic sense, but it's like, it sounds so yeah. creepy and evil in this context because of the way that he's doing exactly what you're saying, Ronald, the way he's using, like sort of her exactly that sense you have at that age that you're making decisions for yourself. And this whole thing of like, well, my mom's not here for me. My friends don't really get me, you know, um, you know, fuck them. I, you know, I'm not being manipulated. I mean, again, I remember I I was never in that situation. Thank God. But I can remember several times looking back that I was, you know, I did not know what was going on. And I thought I did when I was 16, 17 running around in the world. So. um yeah so, all right so, well so, yeah really good movie tree, but yeah re- we, hopefully watch, we've, we've sold 
we've sold yeah we've sold how much it is a tough watch right and, and yeah. I, honestly i think it's more more of just a conversation around consistently like how great jonathan tucker is and um you know so what's good. to come from this filmmaker co-writer because yeah again she won a, a, a like kind of like a first time award at sundance last year for this film so um we'll, we'll have to kind of keep an eye and see what's up next and uh what's coming from her um, um as, cool. as, a, as a father of a 15 year old i want to tell you that the opening scenes between gretchen mall and the daughter uh, were overly realistic <laughs> with just how needlessly mean and dismissive the 15 year old can be of their parent <laughs> who's just basically being like what would you like on your sandwich kiddo you know yeah. like you're you're being yeah. you're being nothing but like goofy and you're even kind of play acting a little bit like hey i'll be all i'll be nice you know and you're still getting like uh that scene, like almost word for word, the whole like miscommunication and not answering and I don't want to talk about it, all that stuff. I was like, that was a very realistic portrayal of of what a, what a sullen teen experience can be like. And I think Gretchen Maul is like subtle in this, too. I mean, she's one of those actors who's aged now into this kind of she plays moms now. Um, but, yeah. um, you know, I thought she was she was pretty solid in the sense of like she's not the most engaged mom but she's it's almost like the it's just the single mom we've seen in a lot of movies where it's like she's got her own thing going on she's trying to date maybe she's not as plugged in as she could be but she definitely seems like she's trying to be as respectful as she can of her daughter's like needs right. but there clearly are days at a time where the daughter's just unaccounted for and that makes the mom seem a little absent maybe yeah. in those situations mm -hmm. i don't know how much we're supposed to be judging her or not <clears throat> but right but like she believes that she's out with this one friend a lot. Um, and, you know, yeah. I had a friend like that who I could say I was at their house and then go somewhere else. And my parents would believe that I had been there. But if they ever called to check on me, then that was that, you know. So, right, right. yeah. I'm not saying I've ever told a lie, Ronald. Not here on the air. <laughs> Damn. All right. That's that's what I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead, man. Go ahead. If you want to go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, when I was 17, I'd, like, almost die. And then I'd come in the house, like, <sighs> my mom would be like, hey, what happened today? How was your day? And I'm just like, oh, it was good. <laughs> just, like, that crazy not knowing what the who the fuck you were or what the hell was going on around you. Strange. What's the what's the next pick? Who's who's up? It's, uh, Johnny, John, you're right? John? Well, um, I... Uh, I had like there was there were some choices queued up. One is a movie that is uh, fucked up and sad, um, and would put us through the ringer. Uh, and I was maybe thinking of that one, but I, after watching this movie, I'm not going to pick another. I'm not going to pick another tough watch. I'm going to give us a reprieve for a little while. And then another idea I had was an only in the '80s movie that is like two things together that maybe were never meant to go together, but we could decide we could watch it in the light of day. And I think it's one of those movies okay. that's like only available, like in full on YouTube, but that felt too risky. I wanted to go with something kind of uh, that, that might actually be good. So I, this is a movie I've wanted to check out for a long time. And okay. um, it is a 1971 movie. I don't know if you know the career of director El Elaine may that much, um, but uh, this is a movie called a new leaf. From 1971 starring walter Matthau and elaine may and it's a story about a rich guy who basically needs to get his way out of debt he's losing his fortune and so he tries to find a rich woman who will basically bail him out and then i think the plan becomes to murder her and uh and oh you know, my god and take her money so he's like trying to solve his financial problems by by like you know uh 
finding a rich wife, finding a sugar mama, and then killing her to, to take her money. So I think that's I the broad stroke of the story. Well, I think it is a comedy. I think it is a comedy, but I also think it's like a dark <laughs> comedy. So, and also, you know, Elaine May is, is an extreme, extremely funny person. And, you know, she wrote and yeah. directed Ishtar, which is the famously not as bad as people think it is, uh, and, and movie that has some really funny parts, but lots of other stuff that she has done. And, uh, you know, she she and Mike Nichols were a very influential comedy team when it was uh, Nichols and May. Um, they had a lot of uh, like a lot of influence on a lot of stand up comedy and just in general comedy that followed. Um, so oh, she wow. was like, a you know, quietly influential, very funny writer and a person who only made a few movies, but uh, they, they always had something kind of noteworthy about them. And she definitely was a kind of auteur in that way that um you know that a writer director can be with a with a with a humor style and a, and a sort of outlook on the world that was very dark and wry and so yeah hey, and me. also this is like a 1971 walter Matthau performance you know that's going to have some juice to it that guy was mm-hmm. that guy's an incredible actor and that was kind of his prime so so a new okay. leaf from 1971 and i think it's available looks like it's on all the all the services it's amazon prime for two ninety nine and uh, on down the line. So yeah, never seen this, but have always always heard uh, of it, and and it's one of those things that uh, yeah, heck, why not? Now that we're you know we need a little. Looks bit like of... it's on Pluto. Too. Okay, yeah, it's on Pluto. But m- maybe it'll be an antidote to the uh, to the movie we just saw in terms of tone. <laughs> Hopefully so. All right, cool. Pluto is never... killing it, man. They have a, a ton of movies. Yeah, dude. That that and uh, what's the other one? Freebie. At the Amazon one, they've got a pretty big library. Sheesh. Um, all right. So I guess we'll talk a little bit about Shazam, Fury of the Gods. We all had a chance to see that. Shazam. Uh, Shazam. Um opening weekend and uh Captain Every Power. <laughs> I love that name. He's so good. I love that kid. Uh yeah. Jack what is it? Jack Dylan Grazer. Yeah. Um and Adam Brody does a good job of, yeah, those, yeah, the, like the, playing the, the older version the of two, him. yeah, they they're like a perfect. And actually, that's probably one of my the things that stood out to me. Like, let's what? let's start with that because I bet you're about yeah. to say what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I was, let, let me just get this off real quick because I want to say this. Like, when you talk about the two of them and like how perfectly paired they are as like the younger and the older version of the superhero adult version or whatever uh, mm-hmm. of that character. When you look at Billy Batson and you see Asher Angel's performance as a teenager and Zachary Levi's performance as Shazam, I I felt it in the first movie, but it was kind of fun and silly and, and innocent. And I was like, yeah. whatever. But this one, it's it's so it's so the opposite. Like Zachary Levi is just basically playing what he thinks I think a 13 or 14 or 15 yeah. year old sounds like, even though he sees what Asher Angel's performance as Billy Batson is. Yeah. I, I, I will so throw, so throw into that thought, Steve, that like, uh, is Asher Angel that actor's name? I did yeah. have never picked yeah. Okay. Like, he's a bit bland. He's you know? super bland. At least in this movie. Maybe he's a better actor than this. He's a bit, I'm not saying he doesn't like perform, like convince me of his, you know, whatever. He's not terrible, but he's just bland. <laughs> and so I, th- but I think because he's bland and Zachary Levi is doing, like you said, well, I mean, come on guys, I'm a kid. You know, he's doing this, this exaggerated thing. <laughs> um, I, I think it also, it, there's so much Zachary Levi versus uh, Asher angel that it's like it, Billy Batson yeah. is almost like a non 
character in this, like a non-entity. Yeah. He pops up only yeah. for the moments where they need him to be Billy Batson, and then the rest of the time, he's Zachary Levi. And it's like, I guess I get that, but I think that what you're saying, yeah, it's like it compounds that whole thing of just like, there's no thought given to the to the connection between, like if Billy Batson were maybe more of a character, there would be more more of an understanding of how he would act like that, that that's his id. But that doesn't even seem yeah. like the inner life. The guy we see seems like this quiet, kind of brooding, thoughtful kid. For him to have this inner life, this id that is like a dumbass who's like, doesn't, I don't know. Cracking jokes and all, right, you know, like, right. you, don't, you don't see him crack a joke as a kid. It's, it's right, exactly, all, exactly. It's he all Jack Dylan Grazer's, like that's what that character is. And it's right. like, it's almost like Zachary Levi is playing the other kid as an adult more, you know, than he's playing himself. So you know, much Tom so Hanks that does I it in big sometimes. Oh, go ahead, Ronald. <clears throat> so much so that I confuse them sometimes. I'm like, isn't that right? Shazam? Yeah. As a kid, I'm like, oh no, that's not. Yeah. That's yeah. The other, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's the other kid. Yeah, and he right, actually has exactly. a story too. Like his both of his versions have a story. Well, at yes. least he. But like Billy Batson doesn't really have much of a story. They try to give him something with the mom. I think that's about it. That doesn't really feel like it's that much of a story. But I was going to say too that um, <clears throat> the thing about Billy Batson being kind of a, a recessive character and these other characters being more interesting is. I mean, it almost just feels like that's just a script issue that Billy Batson could have had more more of a story. They could have given, like, the first movie was definitely much more about his character. In this one, he's just kind of, you know, backgrounded to some of these kind of family characters. But it is a Shazam movie through and through because Zachary Levi is all over it. And like you said, he's in every scene, like, mugging and doing everything he can to sort of tie this thing together. I, I'll just say this, too. There's something about this this series from the two movies. I think this is fair to say that there's like a horror vibe. But I want to oh, say that sure. it, there's an attitude, there's like a hatred of everyday people that I felt in this movie. Yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of bystanders who just totally get jacked. Um, and and the worst deaths are usually so, like there'll be just a character that is just walking down the street when one of these like demons appears, then they'll grab them and like throw them back through a glass window, you know, and you just know that that's it for that person. But there was also a moment that struck me as like, I don't know if the movie knows what everyday people are like. But it, it hates everyday people because you know that scene in the porta potty when they use the porta potty like a portal to get to another place, yeah. and then we see yeah. that there's actually a guy in the porta potty. He's like eating a sandwich. <laughs> Nobody would go into the porta potty to, to eat a sandwich. Like that is such a that is such like a a low opinion of of the common man who would be using the porta potty. <laughs> it's like eating like a cheesesteak sitting on the toilet. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a really shit weird moment. particles all over. Yeah. But yeah, but no, this is an interesting tone. Like there's a horror tone. Like I think that if there is something, I was kind of trying to suss out like, what is this movie? What What is the tone of these movies? And I do think it's to balance that goofy, lighter quality that Shazam has against like, yeah. because it's magic. It's like the the evil magic can can be really scary. And there really are moments in this that felt like, I mean, it almost seems like, is it David Sandberg? Is that the director's name? Yeah, David F. Sandberg. It's like he need, he wants to make a horror movie, I think. Or he wants to make like a, you know, a PG-13 adventure. That well, he has. He has. Oh. Made, I mean, that, that's where he comes from. Oh, really? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He's the guy that made Lights Out. All right. Okay. Well, never mind. And he did, and he did one of the movie. Annabelle. He did one of the Annabelle movies as well. I think this movie had a oh, strange wow. tone of like yeah. it was very kitty in some moments and then it is like goes harder than some of the other superhero movies in other moments. So it's just an interesting yeah. odd tone that sometimes works and it was almost for me like you could almost like make a check in a column of that that worked that didn't as I was going through the movie of and it was about I was not like totally equal. I came out in general thinking, okay, I didn't mind that experience, but there were so many little moments that were awkward or weird or quite didn't quite work and then the movie just kind of breezes past them because it's got a lot of 
you know, moving parts and, and there's, you know, there's some interesting visuals at some spots. I thought some of the creatures were kind of cool. I don't know. What did you think, Ronald, of the, like, how does this sit amongst all these other superhero movies we've been seeing lately, I and really especially amongst it. the DC world? I really, 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 really enjoyed it. Even with all of that stuff, it still was a fun movie. Um, I don't know. It's just something about, even with all the, the, the problems with Shazam and, the, the the jarring difference between kid kid Shazam and actual superhero. I still have a lot of fun watching them. I really mm-hmm. do love the family dynamic. Oh, you know, also is kind of the the woman Shazam is Megan Good's performance. The kid mm-hmm. isn't quite playing quite as silly yeah. and uninformed, and Megan Good is doing this like a little version, bit more cute like Shazam. Yeah. 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 It's very strange that, that that's happening. But also maybe I don't know. It is a kid's movie. It feels like that that's what makes it feel like a kid's movie. Those choices. But that also, here's the thing. I'm gonna tell you this, man. If I was like 10 and saw this movie, this would be one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it has all the things I love. It has spooky ghosts, beautiful women that are bad guys. And then a family dynamic, you know, like the when they go to the the house, the house and the family's there, like those wholesome moments. Like, yeah, I don't know, man, it, it really messed with me. Um, Did you feel a, a strong Harry Potter vibe from this movie? I had it very <laughs> yes. Harry Potter. I told I told Aaron that I was like, this looks like Harry Potter. There's like a part where the ghosts are going through the. But there's also like the, the library the, like, with the books that are flying around. And there's the pen yes. that writes on like the magic paper and this kind of cool script. It really made me think, oh, yes, this is definitely the magic. The same thing. Even the burning violin felt like something that could have been like a, a Harry Potter I love artifact. The burning violin. Um, I love that he uses it to distract them. And she says, what is that? And he says, great question. No idea. <laughs> but like i don't know i i I felt like that i just that it was staking out that magic world that's what i was just feeling was that like the harry potter thing and the kind of what i said before about good versus evil it definitely is it's that's where it's finding its kind of unique spot amongst the superhero movies i guess if you want to put it in a nutshell this is the one where it's like he's got magic-based powers and he goes up against dark magic and um, you know, results may vary with uh, with like how well you like the villains and every little moment with them. But I do think the story of if his power is taken from all these different gods, what about yeah. the people who had that power before it was taken and given to this dopey kid? Like I do think that like in the middle of this movie, I did find that story problem an interesting problem for the character to face. Of like, do you deserve this power? And then yeah, also right. from that, like, how are you really going to keep managing this if you're going to try to keep your family safe? Um, you know, yeah. that, that stuff in the middle felt like a real problem. You know what I mean? Sometimes in these movies, you feel like there aren't stakes and this one felt like there yeah. were real stakes for the character in the middle. Like, and it wasn't for a problem sure. you could figure out a solution to, you know, yourself. And I think that's a sign yeah. that there was at least a, a, you know, at least some good, something, some consideration was given to the emotional arc of these characters. And that idea of preserving yeah. the family is front and center, I think. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's really what that, I mean. I I kind of agree. I mean, I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I I don't like it as much as the first one, but I think it's probably because I feel like a lot of the things that we're saying that are the best parts of it were stronger in the yes, first one. I totally you know what I mean. Agree. Like we're front and center in the first one, and you know, even even just you know the conflict and and kind of like not the mystery that they're solving, but like you know what they're learning and trying to figure out what these these two uh, villains are trying to do. Right. I think it kind of lost focus, you know, totally. pretty quickly, you know, yeah, uh, in the movie. Sure. 
which kind of made it all kind of feel a little scattershot for me. Um, and, you know, and having stuff like with, you know, with the stuff with like Rachel Zegler's character and what she's doing uh, in the movie. I don't I don't know that that totally worked for me, but, um, you know, I think there's just enough there to still I, I thought the movie was just basically fine for me. Like, I thought there's enough comedy again. Like, I really love Jack Dylan Grazer. I do like Zachary Levi. I just felt like that the performance was turned up a lot more in this one and, and felt way more uh, unbalanced, you know, even if it's meant to be like John's saying, like some version of that character is it or or the type or the kind of personality that he wants to be or doesn't let himself be or doesn't feel comfortable being quite yet. But there's no there's no mirror to that in in Asher Angel's performance, like, you know, in, in terms of any of the even the quipping and the, and the humor, like it's just it's pretty much uh, absent. Yeah, where it seems like the rest of the family when they become their superhero, even though you mentioned the Megan Good piece, like it seems like they're more tied into what the kid is, you know, like there seems a lot more of the performance is much more similar to what the kid is. Um, But I don't know, like, yeah, it just I just felt like it just felt a little like more unfocused than the first one. I don't know, like the script kind of was going all over the place for me. And then kind of trying to bring it back down to a simple conflict in the end of like, he's got to take responsibility for that. Like, right. Exactly. And it did feel like, oh, they have to do some, they have to do some quick exposition here to give us a feeling of like, this is all coming to a head. And, and, you know, then they do do something with that idea that it's down to him at the end. But I do think that's, and you're right, Steve, that I, what the strengths that this movie has, were all there in the first one already. Yeah. And and probably were more, were cleaner somehow, like a, a simpler version of the same thing. What did you think of the cameos? Like, did any of that stuff do anything for you? Not at all. Okay, you know what I think was very awkward I about that? I thought they were horrible. That last cameo? That's um, what I'm not, talking about. N- not the mid-credits one, but the one at the very end of the actual movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, d- did you notice the way that that was staged so awkwardly that it's when the scene so, was over... shot so <laughs> when weird. the scene was yeah. over... Uh, the 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 cameo person just walks around the corner. They just like say, "All right, yeah. d- hey, see you around." <laughs> Literally turns around and walks yeah. around the corner. Yeah. I mean, yeah. have them like wave their arms and disappear or something. But have her yeah. just to having somebody yeah. like see you and then like leaving by walking around the corner. I don't know why that seems so like poorly thought out. Yeah. Or it's like in a, in a more artful movie, maybe you would find a way to cut without seeing the moment where people start walking away. You know, like a lot of times these movies at the end they they have a problem with what's the ending moment. And this movie really felt like it was searching for some sense of like, dun dun dun. You know, it was really trying to put a bow yeah. on it. That um, scene was so weird. That, yeah. that that I think just like the staging of that scene and just yeah, like just the dialogue and the performance. Like it, that was just that was a very bad so for me. That was yeah. like it was bad. It's bad. like that. The movie kind of like it felt like it kind of got down to a better lane for me. Like in the 10, 20 minutes mm-hmm. prior to that basically at the end of the conflict of the actual movie, you know, and what happens and same Steve that, that got really strong for me. That's what I'm saying. When it got simple again and it was just him versus the bad guy, I got reinvested and I actually thought it was an interesting ending. And then they, they went on. They did that. And I was like, Oh man, what a weird, but the cameos in the commercial. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. (laughs) What, what, Ronald? That's the, the cameos in the commercial. Yeah, they spoiled it in the commercials. Oh. I thought you yeah, were talking about when you yeah. said commercial. I thought you were talking about the Skittles commercial that, but it basically takes up a whole minute of the no. movie. They actually say "Taste the Rainbow" twice. <laughs> they do. <laughs> I mean that that's it's Damn so bro, silly, bro. but I I kind of feel like it. It I don't know. I I I guess in the context, I just kind of looked right past it. 
To me, it felt like if it hadn't been shot so much like an actual commercial and hadn't felt so much like an actual Skittle, because Skittles commercials get pretty weird, that I was like, this feels like it could be a Skittles commercial. It just was a little too... Too too lingering on it and too like beautifully photographed and too like telegraphed and all that stuff. But as a story point, I thought it was a fun, you know, it's the kind of thing that it reminded me of a James Gunn gag to have this idea introduced early in the movie of like unicorns and then to finally see how that manifests. I thought that was, you know, that was kind of fun. But um, but I still feel like this movie may have like delivered it a little bit strangely um i, 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 I think the creature I, designs were cool I, I will say that since we're talking about that part of the movie i think that like some of that stuff not, look, looked kind of neat not so cool i feel like is the way they use helen mirren and lucy lou though yeah, i feel like yeah. anytime you give lucy lou dialogue like that and i'm just like what is she supposed to do with this stuff like and even helen mirren i mean she has more like actual like conversation dialogue like when she's talking with shazam and you know, most of anything that Lucy Liu says is like a sentence and then it's off to an action set piece or it's some action that she does to like destroy something or someone. Yeah. But it's like yeah. literally she's got like two sentences at most in any sequence of scenes. It's just like, I don't know. That stuff was so weird to me. Like the, some of the dialogue was so bad and so clunky. Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah, a lot it was, of, it's weird. a lot of even late in the movie, a lot of, that a lot of a scene where you cut to characters and they have to explain a bunch of stuff and, and talk through it. And it's like, sometimes you don't want so much of that, like close to the end, you know what I mean? Of yeah, like explaining yeah, yeah. what's, what the stakes are. Yeah. But um, no, I felt the same way about them, that they were kind of wasted. And then that they had little moments where it's like, okay, her riding around on a dragon and shooting beams. It's like, she's at least okay. <laughs> she's good at that. And Helen Mirren towards the end got a little bit more to do. <clears throat> but I, yeah, yeah, I feel like they were kind of. It was weird seeing them, especially Helen Mirren. It was weird seeing her try to make something out of that weak script. I thought for the first yeah. first chunk of the movie, but it almost fit the kids' movie thing of it to me, just be like, oh, the villains are kind of. It almost felt like Power Power Rangers or something. Power Rangers, yeah, times. I was gonna say. Um, and I was just like, all right, this is just like love and thunder. This is like a kiddie tone that is, that is not <laughs> trying to be too serious. That I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get mad at. But I was kind of like, oh yeah, the the, the villains weren't the weren't the highlight <clears throat> what do you think of the uh well let's just talk about the broader sense of this then this is like the first movie to come out in the new wave of knowing what they're what they're doing with the dc stuff right like we know now we've got this and we've got um aquaman and we've got the flash those are all movies that are coming out that are part of the original plans that, that yeah. have now been changed and james gunn has kind of put his stamp i don't know that there's much he could have done to change or uh, stop these movies but he when he came into the job he said he's happy to be able to put a movie like shazam out and that it kind of fits within his general plan you know and he said the same thing about the others this movie does have a mid-credit scene that seems like it might be a tag on for the james gunn part of it all i don't know when it was filmed or if it was always there to kind of connect it to this other thing but i don't know what do you guys think about this movie as like how it sits and might indicate those plans and did you like what did that what did that mid-credit scene do for you if anything and in terms of like you know what they're trying to obviously connect it to nothing um nothing same nothing nothing yeah yeah nothing for me zero right like that was one of zachary levi's most broad acting goofy <clears throat> scenes so, so that was you know <clears throat> that was kind of goofy like and then i just didn't think that the way that they used the peacemaker characters was like it didn't encourage me <laughs> to think that like <Yeah. clears throat> oh all the james gunn stuff is going to be great 
Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if that made you think about that. Like, if I'm not feeling particularly worried about the overall future based on anything that happened in this movie, but if, <clears throat> if that scene was there to be like a little Easter egg for fans that might be worried about the future of the DC universe, I, I don't know that it would have won anybody over to the uh, James Gunn knows what he's doing side. But I don't know anything about that scene. Like, it feels very much like a tagged on scene that could have been added later. But I don't know. Do you have any understanding of what that's supposed to do? <clears throat> Um, well, I mean, I think it's, I think what was intended was that they were supposed to have the whole, the justice society was supposed to be there in that scene from black Adam from the end yeah. of black Adam. And, uh, you know, reporting has revealed and in, in the week <laughs> in literally four days after Shazam's release, uh, you know, basically that the block that the rock blocked that whole thing. And in, tr in trying to keep the focus on, black adam and a superman meetup and all this stuff and um but this was the this was the alternative which was to still have some representation from the justice society um in this in this stinger but I, man i i don't know i don't even know what else to say about it i just feel like I, they, they need to get past these last two movies yes they need to get oh past like the flash i cannot wait it's actually like skyrocketed for my anticipation like i can't wait to watch the flash but I, you know, I've heard early test screenings. Somebody that I know has been to one of them that Aquaman is a mess, and that um, they're going to have a bit of a trouble with that movie. And I don't know what the Flash Damn. does to Aquaman or what what that plan is. But I, I mean, I don't see any future where any of these movies are involved with James Gunn's thing. Okay. I think, I think that. If Shazam were to show up in a in a film, you know, in the future, uh, or if the Justice Society has anything to do with what James Gunn and Peter Saffron has in mind, it's not going to be in a in a Shazam movie. It right. would maybe he might pop up in a in a role somewhere or as Shazam, right. or the character of Shazam may be in one of those movies. I don't know even that Zachary Levi would be him anymore yeah you know Yikes. there's a lot of like speculation about his relationship with you know james gunn and peter saffron and you know peter saffron was a producer on shazam both films so there's a little bit of uh question yeah. around that and there's been a lot of like you know kind of gray responses uh about his whole involvement but i mean you know i just don't see how this movie you know you look at its performance it, i mean we didn't even really mention you know how underperformed it it, yeah. it did i mean you know we're on we're recording this on thursday i think it's only it's barely at 40 million dollars did we all use movie pass to go see this no 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 i movie passed the shit out of it um you did it? how many credits yeah. was it it was 10 i still have oh. 58 credits no but nice. i i asked the woman at the desk if if because she didn't seem to like the movie pass thing it was my first time using it the new one so i hit the thing and it said you know basically you've got you can use your card to buy it and you've got till this time yeah and it was like a half hour and um she was like i don't know what's going on with that well i don't know how movie pass is but i think she was just having a problem with the card machine because it eventually went through and it was fine and then i asked her i said have you seen a lot of these movie pass things and she said she'd seen four 
I said recently, yeah. and she said she'd only seen like four. But I don't know. Maybe she doesn't work at the register that much. But that was my highly anecdotal survey of uh, if, oh, if a lot wow. of people are using it. But only four people since the relaunch um, that, that at this woman. She's, you know, I, I should have said, are you full-time or part-time? <laughs> <laughs> you really sat her down and interviewed her, John. Right. Really um, quizzed her. Like, but she definitely did not know what was up with day. it. But she, she thought it seemed shady. Like I said, it seems kind of shady. And she said, yeah, it seems a little shady. Anything like that that's like a different thing. And I said, it seems to, I mean, I don't know what's different about their model now. It seems to me it's the same situation that if people start using it like crazy, it's they're surely they're going to run out of money again, but maybe I don't understand how they've changed their, their model. So it's, yeah, but that's it one of the podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but ultimately to come back to the Shazam piece is just that I, I really can't see how, if there was going to be uh, a way to include Zachary Levi or this film's, you know, franchise, you know, it would have to have performed and it didn't definitely, you know, and, and, and it's not going to like, it's dropping off internationally severely like this movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad news for them. And, um, you know, I just think that, you know, I think the flash is going to, whatever it does and whatever Aquaman does, they just need to get to whatever their plan is yeah. and get out of this because, you know, there's too many, every, every movie comes out with a, the weight of the world on it, mm -hmm. you know, and trying to say, does this connect? Will it connect? Who's in it? Who's not? And it's weird because, you know, you see Harcourt in there and she's in the stinger and like, that's James Gunn's wife. And it's like, it's weird. You know, it's like, is she going to be in it? Cause you know, she's in everything that, you know, has come out recently, basically, right. you know, she pops up at the end of black Adam. She's in, you know, uh, at the end of this, she's in the, you know, the TV series and everything. It's just like, I, I, it's it's all just so clouded that they've tried to do their best to kind of separate it as much as possible, but you know yeah, the no. the magnet of just like the it wants to pull everything together, and it's just like if they want to keep it separate, they need to just do that and just kind of move on. And I just feel like all the drama around what the Rock was trying to do in bringing Black Adam to like the center of the DCEU all while the conversations were probably happening with James Gunn and Peter Saffron yeah. and the, well, and I mean, the whole rock of it, overplaying just, the hand of what mess, man, the whole rock playing the over overplaying the hand of what black Adam could be. And then you see the Shazam movie that definitely seems like it should have had the, the black Adam type villain for him to go up against or could have really right. been good with that type of villain and how Dwayne Johnson would have been good as the villain in a movie like that. It's just, it's such a weird thing that happened that yeah. those two characters now are separate. And now that now it's like you said, these are burned. Uh, yeah. These are burner phones <laughs> that have been just thrown yeah. up. They've been used up and thrown out. And I, I guess, burned, I, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right that like, they probably won't do much they won't, they won't show much fealty to these movies. But I do think that if they're going to have Shazam pop up in some kind of big event in the DCEU, they'll probably consider, well, are we just going to use Zachary Levi? You know what I mean? Are they are they good, just going to say, yeah. who cares? And like, we're going to have this thing. Or are they going to, like, that new Superman movie, I guess, will be the first real indication of, like, what the tone of all this is and what this world is. Because I don't picture James Gunn's, James Gunn's world being that much like Zack Snyder's world. But I also don't picture it having to be that different in terms of like you know visual style maybe but it's still going to have and he's probably still going to be going for some of those same ideas of like getting into the nuts and bolts of the characters and reinventing them a little bit yeah. but um, yeah. i don't know i think his specific take might be different on a few things but I, I don't i don't know whether to be worried or anything yet i think it's just weird that we these movies have become such a big part of culture 
and that it's a strange thing that what you just said, Steve, that now DC has to got has to get through two more giant movies that may just be like write-offs almost. I don't know. It's just an interesting, it's an interesting thing. I think that people are more excited about the flash for sure than they were for Shazam. So that could still be huge. I had not heard that uh, Aquaman was, was, was testing poorly or showing to be a mess, but I'm not too surprised, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious about all these movies, but yeah, it's, it's a weird predicament. It's weird that they've gotten this far into it and it doesn't seem like we, we, like we really don't know what to expect. Um, yeah, right. which could could be good, but it could be bad. <clears throat> um, yeah, okay. Wow. Well, Shazam: Fury of the Gods. It's in yeah. theaters right now, guys. Yeah. So you know, if you want to see it, go see it because I don't know how long it'll be in theaters. There's a lot of we're kind of getting into that time of year where like every weekend there's another, and this is going to be 2023 in a, in a in a nutshell. Is that there's so much content coming out theatrically this year, like the bottleneck of the pandemic era, which we are still you know, in and coming hopefully out of sooner than later, mm-hmm. um, you know, all that content is coming out this year. And it just seems like we're off kind of to the races in terms of every weekend, there's at least one big tent pole for basically from here out. I mean, yeah. we're talking this week, we have John Wick four, which you guys mentioned last week on the podcast, you know, next week, I think, um, or the week after that is, wait, is next week. Uh, Super Mario or the week after that and then you know we're going off and it's just like you got Guardians and all these summer movies come out but I mean all to say is you know when a movie underperforms like this Evil Dead versus... Rise comes out somewhere in there too which one? Evil Dead Rise right Evil Dead Rise like oh, but I'm saying like when a movie underperforms like this and you have movies coming out that will perform or that are overperforming movies like Creed 3 or movies like John Wick 4 will be doing or Mario. I think Mario is going to be one of the biggest movies of the year by box office wise. Like of all time. It's just, it's going to be it's a juggernaut. Of it may be time. the biggest You're going to have a special the report for us, Ronald. Movie. You're you're our guy in Mario Land. Yeah. It may be the highest grossing movie of the year. But I'm just saying like if people are going to see movies, movies like Shazam which are underperforming are going to lose screens and they're going to lose theaters. And they're, you know, if you want to see a movie like that, I mean, just go see it in the theater now if you want to, because I don't know how long it'll be there. Um, not in theaters uh, is a movie that we've all been, I mean, I know Ronald and I had seen it before. I think, John, you just recently watched it. Yes. And uh, we, we rewatched it as well. But we got word about this movie, Rye Lane, which is mm. coming out. We, we're reviewing it this week. It comes out next Friday on Hulu. But um, I think we wanted to talk about it the week before just to kind of get everyone's awareness up about it uh and if you have hulu and you know uh it's it's it'll be out next next friday but if you don't have hulu um i'll just kick it off and say you should probably get it because um there's a great romantic comedy coming out next friday on hulu uh called rye lane which uh it's so weird how how early we got to see this movie like two three months ago and it was like, when can we talk about this again? Oh, yeah. like in, in March. Um, it was like January 23rd that they sent. It's, well, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, so yeah, two over two months. And it's just like, but you know, I think that's also the kind of situation where like, you can talk about it whenever, but we'd appreciate it if you reviewed it around the time of release, obviously. Yeah. But it's also the thing like, that's that vote of confidence where it's like, they know it's a good movie. They're not hiding yeah. the movie. They're not saying, don't talk about the movie. Cause this movie is fantastic. So good. I fucking love this movie. Love this is too. my number one movie of the year so far. This is and like automatically one of my favorite romantic comedies of all time. And I think I can, I can say this. 
and I'm not trying to uh, condescend to the movie when I say this. I say this in a, this is the cutest movie I've ever seen, like in my life of just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like every moment, yeah. made me, like if, if a romantic comedy is supposed to make you kind of crush on both of the people yeah. and like want to see them kiss. And I heard someone, I think it was Scott Ackerman say that like, you can see a movie where the stakes are saving the world and then a romantic comedy mm. is expected to make you care just as much about, are these two people going to kiss? Um, this, this movie took me on that ride and it's like, it may seem kind of light and fun and silly, but if you're a romantic, like I am, it it's, I mean, I, I, there are highs and lows in it, but I, I was, I was like very much like in my feelings through so, so much of this movie because of how much I wanted these two characters to like, find each other and it's not about them denying it's not it, it breaks so many of the conventions and i think without spoiling it we should just say that like it's not your usual they meet there's all these problems they do this that, that. there's something so pure about this movie's depiction of a of a relationship it reminds you of the um the richard linklater films the the sunrise sunset trilogy whatever yeah, that is before with hawk and julia delphi yeah. where it's like um <clears throat> Like to me, it's it's in that vein of like it's it's in its own little category of these two characters who come into each other's lives and then just it's not quite what you'd call an adventure, but the like and it's not quite like just a conversation either. There's a lot that happens and a lot of filmmaking in this that's really innovative. But yeah, I mean, I was completely smitten. I mean, it's like that's why I'm saying that it's a cute movie. It's because it's like it's totally like a movie that it, you have a romance with the movie. You it, it hits you and then you're just smitten with it. And at the end you're kind of you're kind of feeling like flushed because it was so I don't know, the sweetness and the I don't know. I mean, I, obviously you guys dug it, but I'm so glad I finally got to see it and I'm so glad we're finally getting to talk about it and that other people are finally going to get to see it. I could see this movie becoming a huge like a re very reliable watch for some people. <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah, man. Uh it's magical. It's it's like there's a there's a whimsy that this movie has. Man, there's a there's a scene that's like burned in my mind. Maybe um I'm kind of in love with Brixton and the times that I've gone, I, I kind of fell in love with it. There's this piece where they're just kind of walking through the market. The market, and, the, and the market stuff was so like it just was such a realistic Man. depiction of those markets. Like cause some of the things are closed and some of them are open. And yes. it's the like a ghost town, but it's also not. Yeah, it's crazy. There's like a thing. There's a thing that they're doing that I try to do that I think you guys try to do too. It's just like I mean, sure, we all want control of some aspects of our lives, but when you really let go and have fun, there's yeah. just like I loved when the guy said what he did for a living. He's like, I'm a I'm a banker. And the guy's like, boring. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like so <laughs> random. And he could have been mad at that guy, cursed him out, but it's just the randomness of, of just meeting people and how magical it feels. Even if you even if it doesn't develop into like love for the rest of your life, like just having fun in that moment and and you have a woman that kind of comes in and swoops in and saves him in, in a way that I don't think I've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. In a way that I've never seen. Like, you always see the guy do that for 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 a woman. But seeing this woman come in and kind of be this ray of sunshine for this guy in, in, in a real dark time. Uh, and yeah. she comes through in so many cool ways. Like, it just feels like, oh, my God. Like, I, I've watched it one time. And I watched it the second time, and I still felt this like electric feeling at at the restaurant scene. Yeah, when mm -hmm. she comes in and sits down next to him. 
I felt it like it's a it lightning. It's like a lightning never, bolt. Yeah, yeah. It's a I lightning felt like bolt. I never and it's saw like a so movie fast before. and funny and well acted yeah. and well shot and like yeah. you've never seen a movie like the, even the way that restaurant looks with the guy playing the keyboard. It's like this is real in a way. This may seem whimsical, you know and you're right about the whimsy, but the whimsy is more real. I mean, it's like, it's not yeah. the kind of indie film yeah. whimsy that puts it in. I mean, as much as I love Wes Anderson and directors like that who create a world, it's yeah, not saying, whimsical. It kind of reminded me of Wes, like a Wes Anderson whimsy. But it's, but it's not whimsical in that direction of creating like yeah. a fake world. It's in the direction of yeah. creating yeah. like more of a real world somehow, or maybe of showing how like yeah. inner city life can be kind of a dollhouse life. And let's let's be honest, like so often a movie like this would have some grim storyline or something but to, to have like an urban landscape that is full of joy and full of life and like you said full of background characters and people kind of almost like a musical with people kind of becoming yeah. characters for just a moment to have a line or two that's significant but just the way they move through the city like it's their city and they're just their conversation yeah. is so funny and the way that they go back and forth and little things that come out like he's being a yeah. he's a grand gesture guy grand gesture guy in terms of his relationships and how that becomes yeah. like an important idea this idea of waving at boats are you the type of person oh to my wave god at boats or not there's I've so many things them. that are like so simple and so pure and so part of the story and yet they're perfect hooks yeah. to pull you along and get you to that that moment at the end where it's like you know it's the romantic comedy ending where the, you want the characters to be you want the characters to be in the same place because they're feeling this thing and it's like this movie yeah. has such a fun way of presenting that you know that image like you know like Harry running across town to see Sally on New Year's Eve. Like it's give, it gives yeah. you that feeling. Um, I was like yeah, exhilarated they, they, at the end. They meet up there. Yeah. yeah and it's the like the camera's kind of going around yeah. and like that. That's some of the filmmaking too. You meant like, there's a lot of fisheye, you know, stuff and, you know, yeah. uh, macro shots and things like that, that look really cool. And uh, like some of the tracking shots across like the hotel, uh, across the different, like, uh, uh, like apartments or the homes, like where it's yeah. kind of going, like longitude across the room instead yeah, of like kind of yeah. turning yeah. like the camera's like on a dolly or something, but it looks really cool. Um, but yeah, I, um, man, this, this, yeah, I rewatched it and I'm glad I did just so close to the episode. Cause I, I kind of was holding this one a little close. Cause like we didn't really talk about the first time we watched it. Um, yeah. Just I loved it then, but like watching it again. And that's the thing too. Like it's an hour 22 with credits. So like it moves you know, you, you talk about like just that uh, like that energy that especially she has, but that they're that the romance has that they're mm -hmm. experiencing, yeah, for sure. you know, that walk about the town and you're just kind of following them. And you're just like, yeah. you don't want that energy to let up. And like the movie's runtime and the lack of like reliance on any kind of like side stories or like other characters that normally come in and like throw a, a wrench in the plans or whatever, like that lack um, I think just lets this movie run away, and I just feel like, yeah. yeah. And if you like him, I was gonna say you should. The the guy who plays uh, Dom, he's uh, the. I don't know if you ever watched the show Industry. I've um, seen it. Yeah, he I've watched the first up, first season like four times. Yeah, and I and I'm thinking I'm gonna rewatch the second season. I, that's the only place that's... I really know him from. Like when I saw him, I recognized him from that. But yeah. I mean, there, there's honestly guy, like man. there's He's there's like... honestly like iconic scenes in this movie. Yeah, and I and I yes. really hope it finds an audience because, you know, the the restaurant scene that Ronald mentioned is just again like a she's a lightning bolt, and they, they they're them going off one another and like turning the tables on 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 his ex and her, you know, new guy 
is just Eric. It's a who's slight, hilarious. Eric is a, a hilarious character. Yeah. I love the kind of guy, character that's so dumb that he somehow escapes. This like he's the, he's not he's not a bad guy. Yeah. He's not a bad guy. And yeah. even in the end, that they they pop up at that art show, and you get a sense that it's like, well, they're kind of that couple. Like she's a little yeah. bit uptight, and he's this goofball, but they seem to have a real thing yeah. going on. And I don't know if did you stay stick around to the very end. There's something after the end credits that was like, yeah. A, but that gag was great. Was that he recognized, he recognized Eric's dick. I thought yeah. all that was uh, all that was so funny. And um, he had this great little aside uh, when he's they're in they've broken into her ex's apartment, Jules's place. And he's like smelling uh, a candle or something. And he says, what is that? That's how I imagine Obama smells. Yeah. <laughs> Man. He says, he says is that, that sandalwood or so something funny. like that? <laughs> no, it's, and all, that there's scene. so many little asides. And they all, I don't know. I wonder how rehearsed all that was because it was brilliantly acted. It felt so natural. There's a lot of like, that boat was one example, but it literally is about like people who do this and people that don't do that. Yeah. Because that tribe line was that, like when he like he said, "What about tribe?" <laughs> that scene, yeah, jazz is really like. If you feel like that about a tribe called Quest when he shit on that record, that's really because it's all because that's also jazz. Yeah, yeah. Like tribe has jazz in it, and it's like if you don't like jazz, you don't like tribe. Who are you as a person? And there well, was a lot the, of that. The Terrence is that low end theory at the at the party when they yeah, they, they put his theory. phone on. <laughs> oh, both of those are incredible. I think. Would you say, theory. I was saying it's also the I Terrence Trent Darby. Darby scene where they they take his phone and they put it on yeah. at the party. <laughs> I was, I was, that's what I was going to say. Like the scenes that like are yeah are now scenes. Like you know, we're all yeah. fans of rom coms. We talk yeah. about it all the time, and like how no, they don't right. really exist anymore. No, but that's like and, a perfect rom com yeah. scene. That that scene at the house part that. The, yes, the, the, yes, the yard the party, the barbecue, or what and, the cookout? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's just thumbing through like uh, the 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 <laughs> Dom's phone, and like you know the songs that are coming on, and it's yeah. like that. It's the restaurant. It's the karaoke scene to shoop. The karaoke like, scene is incredible, and, and yeah. it's so great because like it's set up at the restaurant scene. Yeah, you know, yeah, like it, yeah. there's so much payoff, and it's an hour and twenty two so minutes. Like, how did they accomplish this? I think it's what so you said. Successfully, Steve, they left out the bullshit. They left out the fake conflict. There's a little bit of yeah, conflict yeah. and a little bit. They, they de there's definitely hurdles, and there's definitely something that they have to get past and growth for them to find each other. But like. That stuff is more embedded in character. It's not this kind of, oh, they're lying. And there's a whole thing where it's like deception and back and forth and yeah. misunderstanding. It's like they're pretty much into each other from the moment they meet to from the, the moment, they, yeah, to the moment sure. they have a hurdle. And then they get past that. And then you get to see how, again, it's it's that that fun of finding out how are these people going to find each other? How, how is it going to click? You know, And, and yeah, how are they going to yeah. pull it off filmically? And all that stuff is done so incredibly well. It's like, it's one of those rare things where I was just like, nope, I can't, I, I don't have any issues with this. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% uh, yeah. in love with this movie, <laughs> which is not, yeah. which is not easy to do, especially with something where the formula we've seen beaten to death before by many, many like lesser movies with a lot less of uh, yeah. just ideas in them. But um, I was going to also mention without saying what it is, there's an amazing cameo in mm. the movie that uh, a lack of lack of great rom-coms, arguably some people might say it's one of the best rom-coms yeah. of whatever recent years. There's an amazing cameo. Now, did that person help it. produce or something? Because that's the one thing I was wondering was why that person was in the movie outside of just the fun of seeing them. But it was a great moment. I don't think so. I was watching this interview <laughs> with uh, the filmmaker and she was saying when they were writing it, 
that like they wanted to have the burrito or, or one of the restaurants to have like a, a kind of like clever name playing on like a rom-com movie. Yeah. And they went through all these iterations of it. And, uh, you know, the one they end up on in the movie and, and who they have cameo, I think it just came down to them writing a letter or something and like getting in touch wow. with the person's representation or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I'm game. Like, let's do this. And it's such a funny moment. Like it's, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Guys, please, please. If you're listening to us and if you've listened to us for one or 371 episodes, you know, when we're this emphatically in love with a movie, yeah. especially a rom-com, which, you know, again, you don't get many of them. Yeah. It's fun. The movie's hilarious. The romance is great. The love story is great. The performances are great. The music is outstanding. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason not to watch this movie if you like a rom-com or even just a straight-up comedy. It's on Hulu. Yeah. If you don't have it, sign up for a trial or something because you want to watch this movie. It's called Rye Lane. Again, <clears throat> it comes out next Friday. I don't care what's in theaters next Friday. This is this is my recommendation for your next Friday is to watch this movie, you know, for a good laugh or watch it with your loved one and, uh, you know, enjoy. Honestly, one of the best, I, you know, I loved the what's the one, um, the Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron. What's it called? Long shot, wasn't that? Long shot. Yeah. That's the Long last shot. amazing rom com in my book, and wow. this one is th this one is like the is is the now one for me. Like Long shot and Rye Lane is is the go tos right now, and you got to watch it. It's on Hulu next week, so yeah. Um, can't recommend it enough. I can't wait to watch it. Aaron didn't get to watch it with me, so we're gonna watch it uh, again next week, and I know she's gonna love it. So, um. Just because I can rock a Camino, don't think I can't fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so funny, dude. Well, I mean, even that guy, even Jules, oh, it's god. like he's terrible, but even he everybody has, like, has a moment. Yeah, like, like well, it's yeah. like you know, you watch a movie and you go, I wouldn't mind playing anybody. Like I wouldn't feel like my yeah. character was a dud or got short yeah. shrift. There's nobody that's made like into the easy bad guy. And I think part of that lack of conflict that might make a movie seem light is part of why this movie feels so sweet is because it is very even handed even with the kind of broad comic moments there's nobody who comes off bad and it's not like that's a value i'm fine with bad bad people bad characters in movies but it's nice to see a movie that has like a charitable view of of humanity you know <clears throat> yeah, yeah yeah sure amazing movie there you guys yeah please watch it um what else what else? What else? What else? Um, I want to mention quickly, I did get to go see Creed 3, which I did use my movie pass for the first time. Oh, on. Okay. Okay. That was, I think I went, I went in an, to an evening showing, uh, it was, I think it was 15 points uh, for those keeping track with movie pass. Oh. Um, but yeah, I thought the movie was really good. I mean, yeah. like I have some, I have some nitpicks with it. And uh, the biggest of which is honestly the biggest thing I walked out of the theater feeling was like I do feel like the movie was hurt by not having Rocky somehow in the movie. I do. Don't I really say do. that, man. Get I really the do. Fuck out of here, okay, I, no. we'll see him next movie. Henry and I talked I, about this. We didn't have a problem with him not being in the movie. We more couldn't figure out why it would be that Apollo would go through all this and not like have a phone call with Rocky, or that's why Rocky point, wouldn't yeah. come to the fight saying, at the end or something. Like I'm that's what saying, we were saying. I'm not saying yeah. that he needed to be in the movie like he was in Creed. I'm saying you see the shift yeah. from Creed to Creed 2 in terms of how much Adonis there is and how much Rocky there is. And I think this movie yeah. should have just been a natural continuation of that. 
don't have him in the movie to be a part of the movie, but he, his presence yeah. should still be there. I cannot yeah. believe that the mother dying in the movie didn't that, bring him. Yeah, that there's not a phone call that there's no way in fucking hell Rocky would not be at that funeral. No, you're right. You're for right. Her passing away. There's no way that would have ever happened. That's or the it, that's the, the part right that bothered me the most. That's it. That, or that the part. other grandkids. Anybody else? Yeah, <laughs> you don't you don't see anybody <laughs> except for like him and Tessa, and that might have been a COVID issue. But I mean, yeah. like, I don't know. That's that's the specific scene that bothered me. Again, I really like the movie. Yeah. I think it's I think it's really well done directorial debut. Um, Hell yeah! That, that's my one nitpick is I just I no. can't believe. No, you're I, right. I, I, I can't be sold that Rocky would not have either called. Show he, he would have yeah, shown yeah. up for that. Um, yeah, you know a, a, Apollo's wife dying like that would have happened. I, think. I mean, I I had thought about the fight itself being something where he would have wanted to give some advice or something or show up. But you're right that the the wife yeah. dying is like the ultimate thing that like he would have been and that would have been the place to stick in a short scene would have been yeah. him at the funeral saying, "Kid, you know I'll be watching the fight," and then maybe cut to him in, in his in his bar or at his house watching the fight, you know, yeah. and then be like, "That's all you." Need. In fact, that would have been beautiful in a way to see him just sitting at home. Like a side yeah, character like, watching the fight. I'm detached you know? from it now. Yeah, yeah. that. Um, no, I, I I think you're right, Steve. But I would say that didn't hurt my impression of the movie as much as it was more like a. That is just like a logic problem. It's like I can't get it out of my head, and I have that's to. That's what admit, bothered me. It was like it, it makes yeah. me wonder why there was no ability to work something out. Was it really just it's, ego? It's all ego, man. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say that I you know, and it's more of a compliment than really a, a complaint, is that I really feel like just because of how great Jonathan Majors is. You know, I really wanted more of like of what Dame was doing outside of the you know interactions with Donnie. You know, yeah, me too. I feel like the decision to really kind of make him the villain of the movie when it happens in the movie is a little accelerated from the way I felt about him as a character, like the scene before it. Right. I felt like mm. there's there was a lot of ambiguity. And like there was a lot of like you know concern about where his character's you know motivations or intentions lied, but like if I had spent more time with him a little bit, like I love that sequence where you see him going back and like he's like washing his socks with his soap on his hand and like yeah. like just like yeah. the, the real a real struggle that he was having and like kind of getting back into life and society or whatever. Um, but I just really would have liked to see more of like what he was like away from his like quote-unquote plan to no like, you're right you're right and the, get and to adonis the, and the moment where he where we see that he actually is sort of a full-on villain yeah does feel yeah. you're right that that moment it feels like a real turning point in our opinion of him whereas before yes. that there's something very sad like when he shows up in that conversation now that we've you've seen the movie that scene in the restaurant where they're having a meal and adonis yeah. offers him money i thought that scene was the best one in the movie because it, i feel like yeah, they're great. both perfectly playing the way the way that Adonis is kind of being protective of himself, but also feeling compassion towards this guy and yeah. the way that Jonathan Majors is playing. He's playing like, I mean, it's almost like Dustin Hoffman in Midnight Cowboy or something. He's playing a guy who's like, not quite fast talking hustler, but like a guy who's like got a totally different perspective on life right now than Adonis has. And so yeah. he's like, yeah. he's, he's one of those like, be, you know, be thankful for what you've got sort of, it's, it's not quite that, but it's got that feeling of like, uh, you, I don't know. You just feel both of their perspectives yeah. in that moment, and I think you're right that at that from that moment on, 
they start turning him towards that villain thing. And then there's a moment where it's like, oh, well, now he's doing this. Now he's manipulating the situation in a really evil way versus yeah, just yeah. he represents a threat because he's this very real piece of Adonis's life that is hard to reconcile. And that is a more thorny, that is a more interesting drama than just now this guy's a bad guy. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. right. I mean, all said though, like, again, I really thought the movie was really good and I, I'll go see every Creed movie that they do, you know, yeah. anything oh, yeah. that they spin off or whatever they figure out to do. Uh, I love a great boxing movie, you know, whether it was Rocky or Creed or whatever, you know, combination of the two. Creed four. We um, love you, Rocky. Come back. Yeah, Rocky. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I thought it was really good. I was really glad I got to see it in theater still. Um, hey, I got a new script where I fight Creed. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you guys watched? Anything you want to mention? You know, I'm I'm happy to to wait until we do like a segment on something. Like maybe we'll catch up with Ted Lasso or or Mandalorian at some point during the season. Okay. I've been That's watching good those. Call. Yeah, but I'd like to I'd like to talk about them at some point. Ronald, what about you? No, nah, I don't have anything. I'm very behind on Mandalorian. So behind. So I have quite a bit to watch. So I'll be excited to talk to you guys about it. Yeah. We'll I uh, I want to mention I saw Boston Strangler. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw that too. Uh, which I think is, is that, that's on Hulu, right? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I thought that was fine. Like, yeah. I love those kinds of movies. I feel like Me it's too. like Zodiac Light. Um, it is. Uh, really interesting. I think really great performances. Keira Knightley and Carrie Coon. Uh, Specifically, uh, Kieran Knightley, but uh, really interesting story about the Boston Strangler and you know these two women who were reporting on it at the time who kind of coined the term and kind of put together the well their theory on what was going on, but ultimately kind of directing police who were, were really not doing their job towards the suspects, you know, or suspects, suspects, uh, wherever you fall on that. But um, I thought it was pretty good. That's on Hulu as well. Yeah, it was decent. It was like exactly solid and super watchable. And you're right. Very well, well done all around. Yeah. And then what else? I watched one more thing. Oh, I watched uh, Luther, the Luther movie um, on Netflix. Did I watch that? No, not yet. The uh, Luther, the fallen son. Um, I I, I watch anything they put out about Luther. Like, I fucking love that character. I love the show. I love Idris. The show is great. The movie, this movie is not as great as the show. I thought the movie is mm. is fine. Uh, Andy Serkis is in it. He plays the villain in the movie. He's great. Cynthia Revo's in it. She's great. Obviously, I just said I love Idris and pretty much everything he's in. Um, right. But if you're a fan of Luther, this is kind of like you know you got to watch this just to you know get get a little bit more of him as Luther, uh, and uh, you know kind of get a cool little mystery mystery thriller going on. And that's on Netflix that came out like a week or two ago. But um, I just checked that out today. And I thought that was pretty good. Um, I think that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got, guys. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. Um, What's what's happening next week? Do we know yet? Uh, any any tease? We got John's pick for required viewing. Um, Tetris we, is next week. All right, right. Tetris comes out on Apple TV Plus uh, no. next week, so we'll be talking about that. And we may or may not be able to talk about air. Yes. Um, depending how the scheduling all works out. I think that comes out the week after, but the embargo is up on that. 
Um, I'm I sure can't wait to see, see like all the scenes where someone's like, Michael Jordan never heard of him. Who's this kid? You know, there's going to be a lot of that sort of. Are we sure we can base a whole shoe line on him? I, I feel like that movie. I from the trailer, I I, I want it to be more silly or something. I don't know. I'm I'm a little curious about the tone of it. Like I I I, ha, I don't have. I get the reference for sports figures, but the but the tone of the trailer is like it seems like it's trying to do two things at once, and I can't tell what the movie is. Is it going to be sort of a we're digging into this little bit of history that's about this shoe, and so there's a little bit of like knowing right. humor about like that it's going to be this huge. But then there's this other thing of like the super inspirational music, you know, like they're really trying to get that whole cult of Michael Jordan thing. It's going. both of those things. I guess it would be, but I wonder okay. if that tonal shift, you know what I mean? You just wonder how it's going to work because it seems like one half of it is like Jason Bateman and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon kind of riffing around this thing. And then the other half of it's going to be this, like, you know, the finding the star. I don't know. It, yeah. I'm super curious about it, especially the fact that Ben Affleck directed it. It's like, you know, makes you feel like, I think is this is this one of the I think that this is the first movie that is from their new production company too. I think so. Uh, ben and Matt's new production company, which I think I'm, you for for something like this, you want to see Blackberry. Blackberry sounds like what you want to see the the combination but, of really really goofy. Well, that, that's the one where the trailer you can tell what the tone is, and I would even say yeah. Tetris. You can tell from the trailer what the tone I, is. This is not. This is gonna be more reverent, reverent, yeah. irreverent. Reverend. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think that Michael Jordan doesn't play with his name. I think that's kind of what it is. Probably like, right. Yeah. Better not fuck him. Fuck him. I don't know what he sounds when like. When he that. when he tells Ben Affleck, you got to get Viola Davis to play my mom. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Right. You know, Michael says it. You got to do it, man. Like you, you don't play you, with you. Don't what play what with Michael says, name. you do. Um, yeah. But yeah, the word on it's amazing. So I, I can't okay. wait to see it. It yeah, closed I'm, out. I'm it was a surprise closeout for South by Southwest uh, Film Festival, which was wrapped up last week. That was a closing night film, and it was its world premiere. Which you know, it's the word the reviews on it have been pretty. It's interesting. It's been pretty amazing because there was an article uh, earlier this year about like how. So so, in a quick moment, real quick, uh, the Amazon is the distributor behind it. Yeah. But they're doing, uh, you know, kind of like breaking the mold in terms of the streamers and kind of how they go about theatrical. And Apple this week, you know, at literally today, there's articles that were breaking about Apple's plans for their theatrical releases uh, upcoming. Uh, specifically, I think it was the new Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon. And there was one more um, that they were talking about that they were going to be doing like true theatrical runs. And that was what happened with Air, which was that. Ben Affleck was trying to get the movie out by the end of last year. Cause I think that there is a belief that this movie is like a really good movie and that there, it may have been like an awards contender yeah. if it had come yeah. out before the end of the year, but Amazon is kind of seeing it as a possible commercial success and releasing it at the end of the year among all those movies that were out, it would have completely gotten swallowed, but finding a pocket to put this kind of movie out, it may be great counter programming, but it is something in, it's something unique and special because it seems like Amazon is trying to create a, a new way to get these theatrical releases from these streamers where it's getting a wide release for a protected window, I think of at least 30 or 45 days before it goes to Amazon. And Apple today, again, we're recording this on Thursday, rele uh, released a statement basically saying that they're doing the same thing. So now there's all this conversation around like, well, if Amazon's doing it and Apple's doing it, how can Netflix not get behind right. this 
when especially if these movies make money theatrically like you know you're leaving all this on the table once again yeah but air is just special in that conversation because it looks like it's going to be one of the first major streaming productions that it is getting a classic theatrical release not just one of these little qualifying rounds in like two theaters right. like it's going to be a wide release so um it's really cool <clears throat> yeah so that'll be out in a couple of weeks but hopefully we'll be able to see it next week and and uh we'll be able to talk about it on next week's episode uh anything else you guys want to mention no no not a moviesmovie.com is the website youtube.com slash podcast. Um, on the moviesmovie.com if you want to subscribe through the audio uh, form of the podcast you can pick any of the platforms from there they all link right there or you can just listen to the podcast right on that website you know just click play in the background when you're working you know just put the browser minimize it whatever you gotta do um, we appreciate it and we'll be back next week um, as always you've made our day thanks Bye. it's the rainbow <laughs> Thank you.